Uh, good morning once again to everybody. Uh, we're going to start a new series in the book of uh, the letter to the Colossians today. And I want to, if y'all don't mind, I want to talk about Jesus. Everybody okay with that? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what, that's kind of the center of it all, isn't it? And this whole, this whole series really, uh, uh, it's in my mind and in my heart that uh, sometimes we, many times, if not most often, we have to find ways of being reminded of things that we already know so that they don't become less important than they really are inadvertently. And uh, we, we, as believers, as Christians, we, we want to keep uh, the main thing, the main thing, we want Jesus to be the number one thing, Right. And we say amen and yes to that, but sometimes that amen and that yes doesn't happen on Thursday or Tuesday or Wednesday. or It does most of the time. We try with the Lord's help. We uh, can have some success with that. But sometimes we just got to go through some reminders and just kind of get re-centered sometimes. It's, all, it's always good to get re-centered so that you don't lose track of your purpose or your goals or what the Lord's doing as a Christian and... You know, it, the, the worst thing that could happen to a believer, a Christian, a genuine saved by the blood of Christ believer, is that somehow life gets all about self and not about Jesus and not about the kingdom of God. Here's the thing I've learned just as a believer, let alone my time in the ministry included in that is, is my time in the ministry, but just as a believer studying with other believers over the years after I was saved, I, I had this realization. It was almost like, I, in, in the beginning, I thought I had figured it out my own self, but it was really I found out everybody else already knew this. But I found out that if I just go about God's business, he's always about my business. If I'm about the Lord's business, if I'm about Jesus, if I'm about the gospel, if I'm about... Loving people and loving God, if that's what I'm about and that's what I focus on, God tends to take care of all those things that I think I need to take care of in my life. You know? And don't we wish that we can just 100% of the time just live in that? And all the anxieties and worries would be gone. It's easy to get distracted on the purpose, isn't it, sometimes? It really is. We live in a world that's trying to pull us away from it. As before we get into chapter 1 of Colossians, uh, verse 3 to 12, I'll, I'll tell you a, a story that uh, another preacher told one time about a, a, a farmer, and this fellow was walking down the road, and he saw this farmer whose hay wagon had toppled over, and all his hay bales were laying in, in a pile on the side of his wagon, and he's out there in the hot sun trying to get all these uh, hay bales stacked back up all by himself, sweating, shirt is totally soaked with sweat, he looked like he's uh, burning like bacon under the sun, and he just keeps right on working. But a man walks over to him, and he tries to get, get him, he's like, hey man, you, you look like you're pretty hot, you're wore out, why don't you just, just take a break for a minute, just take a break. I got some cold water right here, I'll give you some water. He's like, no, I don't think my father would like that. And he kept right on stacking hay. And the man was like, well, surely he wouldn't mind if you took a little break to get a drink of water or something. Just let's take a break. Everybody needs a break. There's no sense in working that hard. And he's like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I probably better not. My father probably wouldn't like 
for me to take his break like that. And so this guy's getting fed up with this dude. He's like, all right, where is your father? Because I'm going to go give him a piece of my mind working you like this in this, in this hot sun. He said, well, he's in the bottom of this pile of hay right here, so I don't think he wants me to, <laughs> I don't think he wants me to stop stacking hay just yet, you know. <laughs> I always wonder if the son was staying busy to actually save his dad or he just didn't want to get in trouble. Which one was it, you know? You know, that, that little story is a funny story, but it's actually a story that helps us understand that sometimes things in the world that seem right or seem good can actually take us away from the reality of what we're doing, right? The, the, the importance of what we're doing. The, the, the need to keep doing the task at hand, which for the believers, for the church, for the body of Christ, is to go into the world and make disciples, to love people and love God. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And, there, and there's all kinds of things in the world that will, at all costs, try to pull you away from that lifestyle, pull you away from that focus, pull you away from, it's okay, just take a day off. You don't have to love everybody every day. You know? Let's make it about you for a minute. But then there's all kinds of false teachings. People out there in the world that are presenting their teaching as truth, which if followed, would lead you away from the task at hand. Because it's not truth. It's false teaching. It's not the real Jesus. It's not the real gospel. It may sound like it, or it may be similar to it. It may have some similarities, but it's not the same. And that's what the Colossians, the church in, 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 the Colossian church was facing. They knew the gospel. They had heard the gospel, but yet there were many other teachings and many other things that were trying to pull them away from who they were in Christ. And they were a strong church. They were strong in their faith. And yet, still, some began to believe. Some began to get deterred. Some stopped doing the main thing in an honest effort to do something else because of the false teaching that was in their world. So this letter is written to help them see this, to help them realize what the main thing is, to help them get refocused and recentered in who they are in Christ. If somebody asks you, who are you? Your first answer is, uh, my name is this, this, and that. However many names you have. And my daddy's this, and my mom is this, and I'm related to those people, and I'm from this over here. That's a common answer in our society. I wonder how people would react to you if every time somebody said, who are you? You said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a bought and paid for son or daughter of Jesus Christ. I'm, 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 I'm saved by the blood of Christ. I'm a believer. I'm a genuine Christian. That's who I am. I belong to the kingdom of God. How many people you think would run away from you if you answered that question every time? I wonder if the Lord would want us to answer it that way. You ever think about it that way? I, w I wonder if the Lord would be like, yeah, tell them who you are. Tell them who you are. Not, not because he wants you to, not so much to brag about yourself and how great you are in Christ. He wants you to brag about him. He wants you to tell people who you are in Christ. You see, 
The Colossians just needed a reminder. Hey, you guys, you guys are, 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 are children of God. You're in Christ. Don't forget it. As your preacher, as I read through this first chapter, the first, first half of the first chapter we're going to talk about this morning, I started thinking about this is the way we try to pray for the people in our churches what we're about to read. This is the way the preachers try to, pr- try to pray over the believers that are listening to them preach and, and, and serving with them in the communities and worshiping uh, with them together, the partners in ministry that we have. So as we read, I wanna, I'm just going to read all the way through it, verse 3 through, th- through 12 first, and then we're going to break it down some. Hopefully you have your Bibles open because I'm going to come back to the slides in a minute. In verse 3, the first two verses is his opening, as he always has. But I want to start at verse 3 because it's, it's something that I want to focus on. He says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up uh, for you in heaven, of which you, uh, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. Verse 6, which has come to you just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. Verse 7, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is faithful, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informed us of your love in the spirit for this reason verse 9 also since the day we heard of it we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the lord to please him in all respects bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god Finally, in verse 11 and 12, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That is, a, that is an amazing opening statement to a letter. This is, this is he's saying to the people, okay, this is a letter of correction. He's calling their attention to a problem in their church. There's false teaching coming into the church, and y'all are buying into it. You're believing it. So how does he fix the problem? He talks about Jesus. He, he, he talks about what Jesus has done for them. He talks about how Jesus changed their life. In the first five verses, he thanks God for their faith. He says, y'all, y'all put your faith in Jesus. You guys, you you are a church of great faith, is what he says. I'm thanking God that you put your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. That was verse 4. That's what he says. He's saying, because I see the love that is happening, 
the faith that you put in Jesus must be genuine. This is the, this is the gospel. This is what you first believed. Look at the results from the faith that you put in Christ. And when somebody says to us, or even to those believers, who are you, their answer should be what? I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm one of those. It's either that or if we just be like Peter and say, I don't know that. I don't know Jesus. I don't know him. And you know, the world and everything it has to offer, you can find, if you look hard enough, you will find some false teaching that will sound good to you and make it easy to not follow Jesus. That's the world. That's the world then, it's the world now. But your faith, y'all, everybody has a decision to make. Everybody has faith in something. Everybody. And everybody chooses what they're going to put that faith in, what they're going to believe in. The reason we know that is because after the second song, I said, y'all go ahead and sit down if you want to. Not one of you hesitated to think that those chairs aren't going to support you. By faith, you sat down. You sat down in faith that those chairs or whatever you're sitting on is going to support you. Everybody has faith, and we put it in something. Some people put faith in self. Some people put faith in the things of the world. Some people put their faith in money. Some people put their faith in fame, fortune. Other people, parents, children, strangers. Some people don't really, some people just put their faith in their pocket and don't really do anything. They just kind of roam around. But those of us who are believers, those of us who believe that Jesus is the Christ, we put our faith in Jesus. He's everything. He's, he's all of everything. He's the center of everything. He's all around everything. He's in everything. He's up and around, up above and below and throughout everything. The evidence of that is the mark of a Christian life, love. When we put our faith in Christ, love becomes evident in our life. That's Acts chapter 2. They all had everything in common. Nobody had a need. They, everybody was together. Because they believed, they put their faith in Christ. The Spirit of God was there. Love started happening, and it says, God added to their number daily. God added to the people that were being part of who they are on a regular basis. Why? Because people are, are, are attracted to love. They're attracted to God. Whether they like it or not, they're attracted to what God does. Let's look, let's look at, let's look at uh, 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 verse 5, really verse 6. Well, verse 5 says, Because of the hope laid up in you in heaven, of which you previously heard, the word of truth, the gospel. It's because of the gospel, y'all. It's because of the truth that you and I are saved. It's because of the, what God has put together. And you want to, if, if somebody says, okay, well, what is the gospel? Because there's a lot of churches around this, the world that's calling themselves Christian, and they don't all preach the same thing. They don't all preach the same thing, and they, but they all call it the gospel. Well, this whole letter, the entire letter to this church, is all about saying that Jesus is the gospel. Because the gospel means good news, doesn't it? And it's because of the gospel, it's because of the truth, it's because of the plan of salvation that God put together 
amazingly, he's the only one I know that can collect a debt and, and forgive it at the same time. And it's because of this truth that we even have hope for eternity. Well, that we even have hope that we can be in a place that we call heaven, the presence of God and His holiness forever. And if that's not enough to get our attention, it also spares us from being separated from God in a place called hell for eternity. That's the gospel. That's the truth, y'all. And it's because of the gospel you have something to put your faith in. It's because of the truth. It's because of Jesus. So verse 6 says, Which has come to you, just as in all the world, also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing. Talking about the gospel message. Talking about the truth of God's word. Talking about Jesus. Constantly bearing fruit. Now, if you're not careful, and you're trying to put yourself in the shoes of a, uh, the believer uh, in the Colossian church, and you might say to yourself, I don't know, I don't feel like I'm bearing a lot of fruit these days. Something wrong with me? I mean, I don't get to be a part of what the Lord's doing? Because when I, when I see bearing fruit, I'm, I'm seeing disciples being made, people being loved, lives being changed because of whatever the Lord's doing through my life, through your life, through the believer's life, through the life of the church around the world. And what he's saying is, this gospel, this word of truth that gives you hope, gives you something to put your faith in, he's saying it is constantly bearing fruit all around the world. And it was happening then, and it's happening now. All around the world, the gospel, the word of God, the truth of God's word is bearing fruit which then instigates my mind to say, okay, well, if, if that's not happening in my life or in our congregation or whatever, why not? Are we somehow not included in God's faithfulness? No. No, if it's not happening, it's, be, it's, it's because we have to make an adjustment. We're somehow offline. We're not centered anymore. Somehow we got off, and it's not about Jesus anymore. It's about something else. We've stopped stacking the hay bales because somebody asked us to do something different or we wanted to do something different. And we forgot about the importance of what we're doing because the reality, just to, be, just to, just to, just to bring that uh, funny story into some seriousness, when we're making disciples and we're going into the world and loving people and saying, hey, Jesus is real and his sacrifice is for you too and we're all sinners and we all need it, we're stacking hay bales because somebody's under that hay. And if we're not stacking hay bales, they're just going to be forever. You understand the picture? It says it's constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you, you see. Here's the thing. We're in serious trouble if we think that we confess Christ, we repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, and then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, got my free ticket to heaven, and then I'm going to show up on Sunday, and then I'm out. That's it. That's all there is to the Christian life. If that's what we think, then we don't have Jesus in the center of what we're doing. 
and the word of God is not continuously increasing and bearing fruit in our own hearts, how, if that's true, then how on earth could it ever spill out of our lives into someone else? It's not the word of God that's fault, that's faulty. It's not, it's not Jesus who's faulty. There's something wrong in here if we're not living in what's being described. And I don't mean that as a, a knockdown. I'm not trying to knock anybody down. I'm saying this. Remember I said, I read this, and it's like this is what every preacher prays for for the congregation that they serve with. I'm praying that all of the things that we just read is true in your lives. That, that you are people of faith. And that, that you know that it's Jesus who gives you hope. And it's the word of God that's active in your life. Every day. And it produces fruit. And it increasingly does so. So that we can look at the end of verse 6. Since the day you heard it, heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is, faith, who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, he says, and he also informed us of your love in the Spirit. The more we understand about God's grace, the more we understand the gospel, the more the Spirit of God reveals truth through the study of his word, the fellowship of other believers, the worshiping of our Lord, the more we grow spiritually, the more we go into the world and love people and that we make disciples. And I was reading through all of this and I was thinking, man, this is exactly how we will pray for our people. This is how we pray for the church around the world. I want all of this to be true for all of you. I want you to be disciple makers. I want you to be so in tune with God that you can't help but love people. You, you can't help but put Jesus in the center of your life. If, if this is happening, then there are people should be in your life that might be drawn to you that want to know more about Jesus. And then there's going to be some other people in the world that are, that, are, that are in your life, and they're going to say, hey man, how come everything's about Jesus all the time? You can't talk about something else? Every time somebody ever said that to me, it, it always makes me think of these guys, these apostles, they're being arrested for preaching Jesus in the book of Acts, and they're like, um, should we listen to you or God? We pick God. <laughs> it's crazy. If we are in tune with the gospel, if we put our faith in Jesus and he's the center of it all, then he'll be a part of everything in our life. Doesn't mean we can't be a part of some things that aren't sinful in the world. We can't engage in living in the world. It just means that Jesus is there. It just means that the Spirit of God is with us. Here, look, this is where it gets really good, y'all. Let, 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 let me look at verse 9 real quick. Verse 9 says, here's the reason. <laughs> for this reason, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased praying for you. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He's praying this for the people because they are under attack from false teachings, from lies, from things that are drawing them away from the true gospel. And it was heavy back then, in those days. It was sneaking in, and it was covert, and it was obvious. There were people coming from everywhere trying to get everybody away from this Jesus. 
And I don't, I don't really have to explain to any of you that that exact same thing is happening today. As long as you don't say his name or talk about him, you can call yourself whatever kind of Christian you want to call yourself. If you're after being friends with the world, then I suggest you take that route. But I would prefer, and I would almost plead with you, I would beg you to, to reconsider taking that route. Because the only way that leads to God is Jesus. And any truth that doesn't involve Jesus as being Lord and Savior is not the truth. That's not the gospel. So then we go to verse 10. I'm going to try to sum this up quickly. Here's another reason. For this reason, we pray for you. We want you to have wisdom. We want you to have knowledge. We want you to see what God's will is. That's the prayer for the church. That's the prayer for this preacher for y'all. That's the prayer of this preacher for all the believers around the world, that we would know God's will and that we would understand his word so that we can have it active in our life. Why? So that people will get saved. So that God would be glorified. Okay, verse 10. So that you will, look, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. If we're not careful, if the Colossians weren't careful and weren't listening, they would hear that this is all about them. This is all about their great faith. All about their, uh, them being good churchgoers. Good Christians or whatever that is. No, this is all about God, y'all, and what he's doing. It's always about what God's doing. None, none of these believers in the Colossian church would ever been as faithful or as great or as, as, as loving as they were if it weren't for the gospel, if it weren't for Jesus. And he's just, he's saying, hey, you guys are doing awesome. You guys are doing some great things. You heard the gospel. You heard the message. You put your faith in that. And you're loving people the way the Spirit of God would have you love people. Don't forget how that happened. It's because of Jesus your lives got changed. Now, most of you guys, I think, most of you are pretty great people. You can say amen if you want to. It's okay. I think you're great people. But I'll be willing to guess that if you really think about who you were before you got saved versus who you are after you're saved, there's a difference there in the kind of person you really were. Something's changed. You're not the same. You see, the gospel changes lives. The gospel disrupts some things. The gospel, the gospel saves and it heals. That's what it does. And it, there's no way that you and I could walk this earth and honor God without Jesus. Without the Lord. There's no way. I don't know how many people I see trying to do it. There's people in church right now, somewhere in the world, that don't know God. They think they know Jesus, but they don't. They think they're saved. They think that they have this status between them and God, that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Not realizing that they never met Jesus in their life. That their life has never been changed by the blood of Christ. 
It's never been changed through repentance and baptism. It's never been changed by the Holy Spirit coming in and saying, okay, we're cleaning house because all this stuff doesn't honor God and it's got to go. That's what happens when a person gets saved. It's, it's not easy and it takes a while. It's a lifetime, isn't it? Anybody, I'm not even going to ask you because I don't want to call you out, but I'm still working on it. The Lord, I'm, I'm a work in progress, y'all. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. She, don't, she ain't shy. I want to walk my, I want to live my life in a way that's worthy of what Jesus did on the cross. I, I want my life, I want God, I want our Father, I want our Lord to look at what is going on here and say, yeah, that's what my son died for. That was worth going to the cross over. And I don't know about y'all, but I can't, I need help with that. I mean, I, I mean, without Jesus, without all of what's being said here, I'm, I'm, my life is pitiful. You want to talk about a train wreck? I think y'all know what I mean. It says, so that you will, this is also that you will walk in a, in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, growing in Christ, pleasing God. I, I've said it before, my salvation, your salvation, the work on the cross, everything that has to do with our relationship with that is for God. It's for him. It's to bring glory to him. I, I, I mean, I... I, I play my testimony in my mind pretty regularly. And it's amazing how our Lord can clean up such a mess. Would even want to. I'm not, I don't try to be funny. It's just the image that I got. But the Lord, God cleaned up my mess, never got out of his holy recliner to do it. It wasn't a problem for him. Nothing is too hard for God. But let me tell you something. You think our Savior Jesus didn't go through some stress to get on that cross? To clean that mess up? You want to talk about where the work was done? It says, walk a life worthy of the Lord... So it's pleasing to him. I want to please God. I want y'all to please God. Bearing fruit in every good work. This keeps coming back. Bearing fruit, bearing fruit, bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. There are so many churches around the world it, they are not bearing fruit. They may be great people. They may even love each other, but they're not bearing fruit. And I pray that God helps them understand why. And I pray that we don't become a church that does not bear fruit. Because that means we're disconnected from what's going on in the kingdom of God. That means that somehow Jesus came out of the center of it all and got put over in some closet somewhere and now we're about doing something else. 
And I pray that that doesn't happen to Oak Grove one day down the road. I don't believe that we're one of those churches. Sometimes the fruit is there, we just don't see it. Sometimes God sees the fruit before we ever get around to to noticing it. But we have to increase in the knowledge of God. Look at verse 11. Strengthened with all power. Look at this. This right here. This right here sets you free. Strengthened with all power. Let me get you over there. Oh, you're already moving back. Sorry, man. (laughs) Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. I love it when the scripture tells me that it's easy to be a Christian. Y'all agree with that statement? It's easy to be a Christian. I know. You're sitting there, you're like, you're like, ah. <laughs> depending on what you mean, right? It's easy if we're able to submit to God and just let him do what he does. Because he's the one that brings the fruit. He's the one that fills you up with the love, his love. He's the one that, that gives you the strength and his power. It says, according to his glorious might. I'm going to tell you something, if I, thought, if I thought for a second it depended on my strength, my wisdom, my will, or any other thing you can name off, I would just quit right now. That would scare me to death. But here's the hard part. Here's why some of y'all are like, no, it's not easy to be a Christian. Because the, the way to tap into what's being described here, submit. Submit to God. Surrender to God. Raise your hand if you like those words. <laughs> a couple people raise their hand. I believe you. <laughs> we, don't, we don't like to submit, especially us American Christians, y'all. We're free people, y'all. Supposed to be. Right? We live in the land of the free. Nobody tells us what to do. I'll do what I want to do. And that, that attitude has harmed the American believer more than we know. Because we can never get our minds around living in God's kingdom and letting him be Lord, and it's his way or no way. We're not in charge. We're not even close to being in charge. We are, by the grace of God, invited to be part of his family and sit at his table and serve in his kingdom which I think is great and amazing, but we have this habit. We just have this, it's like, it's like ingrained in us as we grew up in this free place. It's ingrained in us to have a say in everything. If we would just let the gospel be alive in our own lives, you'll see fruit that you never, ever dreamed of. In your life, in your homes, in this church and in every church up and down the streets that we live in. If we would just let God be God and make let Jesus be in the center of it all. Living a life worthy, bearing fruit, and growing in the knowledge of God and being strengthened with his power, y'all. There's no greater power. There's no there's no group of entities or other gods that would bring such power just God and his glorious might these words at the end of verse uh, 11 
talk about for attaining for attaining for all steadfastness and patience. Those are other words we don't like. The reason I know that is because some of y'all be like, man, it's like twelve oh three. Getting a little impatient. Well, let's try to be steadfast and endure the next two minutes and I'll be done, okay? <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to be steadfast or persevere. It's hard to keep going, isn't it, sometimes? When, we're not, when we see, there's no, there's no fruit, Lord. There's no fruit. It's not working. What do I do? It's not working. I'm doing it wrong. Whatever. And we decide to start quitting or something else takes center stage and we start pouring our energy into that and it's not about Jesus anymore and then we have walked away right before the fruit was about to happen you ever, you ever think about that you ever, you, ever, you ever kind of think back over your life and you're just like man I wonder if I'd have just stayed in it a little bit longer would it have busted wide open whatever it is I think way too many times we give up just when God's about to bust the doors wide open on some things and, and I'm, I've been one, since I've been in ministry, I've been one where I'm, I, I've tried to ask God to help me. I don't want to be one of them preachers that moves around every three years because he's not satisfied with whatever. Who am I to put a time clock on what God's doing? Hello? So let's just pray that we can put Jesus in the center. Let's just give thanks to God for the faith that we have. Let's just give thanks to God for the hope that we have. Because we put our faith in the gospel, the truth, what's in the Bible, we can walk worthy of the Lord. Right? Joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. That verse, verse 12, I'm going to close with this. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. That's where I was. That's where I was saying uh, just a moment ago. So far, all of we've read in th- this first chapter has to do everything to do with what God has done and what God is doing in you, in the Colossians, in me, in every believer around the world who are genuine believers, who are turned over to the Lord, who have fruit in their heart and their life, who are producing fruit because of the love in their life. By his strength. It's his strength. It's his qualifications. Nobody's, nobody's qualified. I'm not. You're not. Nobody's qualified to step into the grace of God without Jesus. I'm not telling y'all anything you don't know. I mean, we got some visitors in here, so maybe somebody don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe y'all are believers. I don't know. But I, it doesn't matter if you've been saved most of your life and you're 70 years old or 60. If we don't remind ourselves... We're going to forget. There's a reason why Jesus kept teaching these disciples over and over the same thing. He kept telling them over and over the same thing. When they teach us how to teach other people, children, in school, they teach us to tell stories and tell it over and over because that's how people learn. So I'm telling you, Jesus is the Christ. He's the center of the universe. He's the center of your faith. And if your faith's not put in him, you're in trouble. Fruit is the end result. We're all chasing after it, right? And, I, and I've told some other preachers, and we'll sing here in a minute, 
uh, I think the song's on the computer back here, the invitation song. We'll sing here in a minute, but it's, I told some other preachers that, you know, we have conversations all the time and trying to figure things out. You know, we get our brains together, try to pray about it, and try to sound all pastoral and stuff. And we keep telling each other what, what we got to do to get the church going, what we got to do to get more people, what we got to do to reach the community. We don't know what we're talking about. You know, we got some good ideas, but we don't really know. Until we start talking together about how can we help our people put Jesus in the center of their life again? How can we help our people and our churches put Jesus in the center of the church again? How can we help our nation put Jesus in the middle of it all? How, how, how can we help our people be this healthy as the Colossians seem to have been? How can we, how can we help our people? How can we pray for our people like this? That, that's what us preachers ought to be talking about. The only answer I got is the gospel. Just keep giving you the gospel. Just keep giving you the truth and then pray for you. Right? I love the Lord. I love y'all. Y'all know Jesus loves you. The gospel says that Jesus is the Christ, and if you believe that, you should repent of being a sinner, an offender of God, and then you should be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's what it says. And if you do those things, you'll, you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then the gospel and the word of God and the truth of God will begin to produce fruit in your life, and you'll grow into one of the believers that we just read about. If you're already saved, you should be well on your way with that.